And I did actually get to say the words, which I'll probably go to hell for. I actually did in a photo session. I said, I am so sorry, but I think we're going to have to ice your nipples. <laughs> and, and there's almost no situation in your life where you can ever say that. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macrow. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. Welcome everyone to Meet the Pressers. My name is Clint Macro. I'm your host, and this is my co-host, Matthew Mallory. Meet the Pressers is a safe place for trigger pressers to gather fellowship and talk about training, guns, gear, gadgets, uh, let's see, politics, religion, and political <laughs> activism. Amen. And today we have a very, very special guest, someone who has been on our show before, Matt, why don't you give the introduction? Michael Bain, you have been in the industry for uh, a very admirable time, and Outdoor Channel, right? You've yep. been, you have your own show there. What, and what's the, the name of the show? Shooting Gallery, which uh, this season right now, we're, uh, I think we're in repeat now, but we're up for our 20th season, our 20th wow. This episode is brought to you by Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Presser is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, McLean Corporation, ASP, Custom Poker Chip Company, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by these fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Michael, you're actually one of our, our first guests. You're on the first, the third show. So you're actually one of the first guests on our show live at the expo last year. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I remember being there. I didn't realize it was your third show. I didn't it realize was. you were like winging it. <laughs> we, yeah, we it was were. our third. Yeah. We're still winging it, man. We do, but we're, we're winging it now more consistently. <laughs> I've had 14 years on my podcast and I'm pretty sure I'm winging it consistently. That's it. <laughs> uh, we had a seminar on Colorado's uh, red flag law, which is mm -hmm. one of the worst in the country. So I, I know a lot of the guys. I know a lot of the sheriffs. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we were active in 2013 to try to stop the Bloomberg laws, yeah. um, which we failed. But uh, the case in Colorado is, it's, is it is pretty much nearly impossible to remove an elected sheriff. Because when one of the sheriffs in, in one of the rural counties said on the red flag law, he goes, I will not ask my men to, to serve this because I wouldn't do it myself. Yep. Uh, the state attorney general said, you're hired to enforce the law and we can do this and we can do that. And he essentially said, bring it. Nice. Let's see what you can do against an elected sheriff. And the state attorney general, all those comments went in the memory hole. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I haven't heard that in, uh, that was about three months ago and nothing, you know, it's like, okay, you're not going to go against an elected sheriff in a rural county because mm -hmm. this is not like urban Denver. It's not like urban right. Boulder or the Springs. Mm -hmm. um, people in these counties, just, you know, tend to know the sheriff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they voted for him. My sheriff has been voted for relentlessly. And um, because I, 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 he stands for the same thing I stand for. And, and he's, you know, his men are trained. Interesting training. Um, we, we talked about this before, I think. 
is I got stopped by a sheriff's car for speeding. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and the first thing he, you know, I said, I said, you know, I went through the whole thing, hands on the wheel, 10 and 2. Yep. Went, went and said, officer, sheriff, you know, a deputy, I have a gun on my hip, my right hip, da 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 Tell me how you want me to proceed. And he goes, well, you promise not to shoot me? I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, okay, I won't shoot you. And that was it. Right. You know, we went through, and at the end, he goes, uh, can I ask you where your training is from? I said, well, I, I, I have pretty extensive training. I mean, I, uh, you know, I can I have maybe five shots at Gunsight and half a dozen other schools and things like that. And he goes, Gunsight's good enough. He goes, thank you for carrying your gun. And I hope if I'm ever in a bad situation, that it would be somebody like you who's gone to the trouble of all these tens of like hundreds of hours of training. And, you know, that's how it should be. Hey, it's Deb Sullivan from T1 Ammunition. We are the official sponsors of Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. We are also really big supporters of our Second Amendment rights, and we are currently taking orders for ammunition. We have 9mm and two two three. We are shipping, and if you would go to our website, www.t1ammo.com, you can take a look at the website and you can place your orders there. This is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. Every so often, um, I, I sort of, usually by getting roped into taking a private student. And, you know, over the course of the year, I might have three or four people who are um, private students, or in some cases, it's specific. Uh, a one woman uh, who'd never touched a rifle wanted to go hog hunting. So hmm. that's cool. You know, they came to, she came to me and said, Will you ramp me up? And I did. But I had, uh, um, it's interesting. I had new students, uh, especially women, who, who you know, literally never carried a gun before and got a concealed carry permit, and then came to me and said, uh, "Now what?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I found is is that there. One woman said to me, "She goes, so I should intervene in a crime." So, well, you know, welcome to the minefield you just walked into. Right. Um, I I said honestly. Uh, it would have to be a compelling reason for me to walk into a crime, a hugely compelling reason. And I've talked about this to other trainers, and they're like, well, what's that? Well, you see a kid getting shot. You see a guy beating a kid down? I'm sorry. You don't get to beat a kid down in front mm-hmm. of me. Uh, or the case of a law enforcement officer where, where they're, they're on the ground. And, and it's clear that they are, quote, unquote, losing this fight. Then the intervention. But I said, otherwise... And, and the, the, the woman said to me, she goes, well, what if you saw a woman fighting with a man? Would you intervene? So, well, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Right. And she's like, well, but he's fighting a woman. I said, well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, in the, and, and I don't know, I may have told you this story last time. It's, it's, it's uh, when I lived in uh, Florida, in Tampa, I lived in a banger neighborhood. It was a Crips neighborhood. And, um, you know, I, I had a treaty with the Crips, as stupid as that sounds. It's, it's a truism that if you want to live in a gang neighborhood, you had better acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, but um, I, I was sitting on my porch and in the middle of an intersection, there's a man and a woman punching each other out. And uh, the Crips warlord was walking down the street and he came and sat next to me on the porch and he goes, can you stop that? I says, yeah, sure. I said, can you? And he goes, yeah, sure. He goes, should we stop it? I said, who's the good guy? It's exactly what I said to you. Who's the bad guy? And he goes, well, hell, you'd be right. Who is the good guy? He said, so what are you going to do? I said, I already called the cops. 
And he goes, that let them come out and break it up. So if it's a domestic, yes, it, you know, neither me nor you want to be involved in a domestic disturbance. DV. Something Clint Smith said like a decade ago, which was very controversial when he said it, you know, essentially he said, should he be in, in an active shooter situation? What he would do is, is get those in his care clear of that shooter situation, that that was his response. And he goes, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys. He goes, do I want people to shoot up the town square? No. He goes, but my responsibility is to those with me. Yeah. My responsibility is to my child, my wife, and my child's daddy. Absolutely. It's get clear. And And then, you know, then you can evaluate what the situation is at that point. But, uh, and, and, and you don't know, I mean, like I'll see people say, well, they've got a gun, but they're, you know, he's shooting at that person. I'm like, well, if that's a bad person and you just witness them shooting somebody else, then what, is there a chance they're going to turn on you next? So if you're getting clear in that time frame, that's good. But if you're stuck in the middle of it, be prepared to fight back because yeah. they turn on you and you can't retreat in, in enough time frame so you don't get shot. So possibly get behind cover would be your, you know, your best bet, higher ground and cover. I think that's uh, something that Janet and Seeklander and I talked about a lot was uh, uh, what if you're in the soup and there's no clear out? And, and the answer is, is uh, cover if you can find it, concealment yep. if you can't. Um, what you're not, in, you're not in Dodge City. What's that line from, you know, Quigley, you know? This ain't Dodge City and, you know, and you ain't Bill Hickok. Mm-hmm. Um, the smart thing to do is is part, partly because you're trying to solve a problem, right? Right. We've run active shooter scenarios where you can solve the problem, but you can't do it standing up. You know, you and we saw that in the church shooting. Mm. Is you know the initial man was uh, uh, the, the initial man engaged was armed and a security guard, and from his seat he stood up. Hi, I'm a prairie dog. You know, and, and certainly I, not to say well, it's not awful that he died, but I mean, it was a reminder, I think, that yeah. bad tactics will actually get you killed. Right. Yeah, he telegraphed. He telegraphed his actions. Right. That, I always say that I coined a, a phrase called three steps behind that decision making process. And there was a lag in that decision making process. And that guy there at the guy with the collection plate was looking right at him, but he peripherally seen something going on. That's what caught his attention. He acquired the situation, said, oh, that's going to kill me. That bad guy turned and shot him before he could shoot, you know, the, the yeah. good guy could shoot the bad guy. So, I know hey. that's, that's, um, I mean, that's something you learn in force on force. I think mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I learned it. Uh, yeah. um, you know, we talk a lot about how, um, um, you know, it used to be uh, very much training with police officers was to, to angle toward the threat because you got there protecting your gun and, yep. and then the threat would run at you and push you over onto your butt because when you're, you know, when you're angled, angled. You, you know, you're, you're going to go balance. down. Yeah, we're off balance. But, you know, I was talking to, to, to another trainer, a law enforcement trainer. And, you know, I said, yeah, but dude, I said, if you're three steps away and he goes, that totally changes. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I mean, I've seen it in force on force is that if I'm not within a hot zone, arm's length of somebody and I have cover, I can draw a gun without them seeing me. Um, but again, I, I, those situations are a lot more complicated than, than you see described on the internet. You know? <laughs> but I mean, in situations like that, I mean, I just taught a class last night, my three steps behind, I taught it at a, uh, a fitness shop and you know, 
like if somebody's in front of you and you hear the term, you can never draw on a drawn gun. Uh, Tom Gibbons calls bullcrap to that because he says he's, he's drawn a gun on people. And it depends on the situation. It depends on who's at what level in that, in that three-step process. If somebody's already made the determination to shoot and you make a quick movement, they're going to beat you to the shot. If that person doesn't want to shoot, maybe their finger's not on the trigger, and they see you make a quick movement, well, now they got to go through that three-step process. And if you're fast enough, like in Tom Gibbons' situation, where he shot at a bad guy when he was working law enforcement, then, you know, you might have it. But it's a gamble like that. So for my students, I always tell them, you know, don't be so quick to draw on somebody because you think you're a fast shot. That other person could be faster than you. You, you never know. You don't know. I mean, and 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 you always, to me, I, I – what I've taught and what we've talked about a lot on best defense is in the old days is that, that uh, you have to assume that your aggressor, your assailant is as good or better than you. Yeah, that definitely. is the only sane assumption you can make. Mm -hmm. yeah, never has, underestimate the enemy. Oh, yep. I mean, they said, well, he hasn't taken X classes. Yeah, but he spent the last six weeks at a, at a landfill shooting at cans, which you haven't. Um, I, I think that that's a, a, it, that's something that should be tattooed on people's hands so they see it. Uh, you know, can't you know if if you're stuck drawn into a drawn gun? Well, you know, it sucks. Yeah, but lateral uh, movement could help, right? A lateral movement or diagonal movement. Yep. Uh, one thing that that and I, I'm stealing this 100% from Gabe Suarez is uh, you know in force on force, a lot of times diagonal movement toward you know uh, you're you're moving angled uh, toward the target often. Mm -hmm the target number one they're not expecting it right you know number two you're moving out out of their peripheral vision you know whereas if you step back your peripheral peripheral right. vision widens as you step back if you step forward it narrows right and literally uh, a movement on you know you have a 360 degrees of movement and a lot of people immediately rule out those those uh movements from like uh you know in front of them that 180 degrees in front of them mm -hmm. but why you know, it, if, if, if you make a diagonal movement and you move out of somebody's peripheral vision, what you just bought a tenth of a second. Part of being a family first responder is having the ability to respond. It's difficult to do if you're sick. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Meet the Pressers. Did I tell you about the time I, I fought a Golden Gloves fighter? <laughs> I don't know. No. It was like being hit by a truck. Um, I, the gym that I trained in, um, they got a new, a new guy working in the gym, and he was a Golden Gloves guy, Navy Golden Gloves champion. Mm. And, you know, I'd work with him on weights and stuff, and one day he goes, so you're the karate guy, right? I said, well, you know, da -da, you know Mr. Stud. Uh, and he goes, you ever fought a boxer? I said, oh. no. He goes, would you like to fight a boxer? I said, absolutely. So, Where is he? We set the pads. <laughs> and it was incredible. I'm looking at this guy, and he's big and kind of heavy. And, uh, and I always remember this because I used it so much later, is he went back fist, back fist. So those are back fists. There's nothing there, right? There's not as much power as you could put into it. Right. But So I assume feign, feign. And then, then looking at me square to eye, he dropped his right hip, just dropped it. And I thought, he's going to round kick me. And I literally, my whole body set to get ready for that. You know, a round kick is a yeah. powerful thing coming yeah. at your head. So my whole body sets, and I start movement to protect myself from the round kick. And he, he threw a straight right jab into my nose and knocked me cold as a rock. 
Wow. I mean, I hit the ground and I woke up with him going, you know, with the fingers, how many, how many you see it? And you're like, 40, 180, six, one, you know, you're lying there going, how did I get here? Good Lord. Uh, and I got back up and I said, what did you do? And he goes, I cocked my hip. And he goes, you karate guys always fall for that. You're always looking for that kick. And he goes, all I got to do is drop my hit. And I saw you, he goes, I saw you shift your whole protection mode away from a punch. Because yep. you're getting ready to take a hard kick. Wow. And, uh, uh, and he goes, so I'll punch you in the face. So the next time I went to my dojo, and we're fighting, we're fighting, I thought, I got to try this. <laughs> I just went back fist, back fist, drop my hip. And, and amazingly, you can see the shift. And I just went, bam. <laughs> and they were like, what'd you do, man? <laughs> I hit you in the face, dude. How many fingers? How many yeah. fingers? <laughs> that's that's like Yoda trick, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, hey, we we learn from our uh, we learn from our uh, experiences, right? Yeah. And well, you, that deception got, is a wonderful tactic, man. I mean, look at the ghost army with Patton. It's like get people looking for this over here, and then hit them over here. here. Nothing yep. to see. Nothing to see. Nothing to see. Look over here. Hi. Yeah. Well, see, I, my my girlfriend's an attorney. And she's uh, she's a shooter. She's got a concealed carry permit. I mean, she shot cowboy for years and got oh. bored with it. And she went to three gun. She shifted, shot three gun for four or five years. And uh, lately, she's been shooting twenty two long range precision, which is an all of a sudden out of the clear blue new sport. Uh, but does but she have a voodoo? Does she have a voodoo rifle? No. And ah, uh, she um, needs to get a voodoo. The the president of voodoo. She was with me at shot. And the president of Voodoo came up to me and he goes, he goes, I, I hear you, you're planning some really interesting stuff. And in addition to Outdoor Channel, I'm on Sportsman's Channel probably by the end of this year. I'll also be on Pursuit Channel because, I mean, Very there's cool. no sense if there's another channel, I shouldn't be on it. Yeah, Paul Parrott, he's yeah. a good guy. I actually, I actually won one of his rifles at NRA World Shooting Championship a couple years ago. And they, they were making the rifle for me custom and I, they really gave me more attention than I thought that they needed to great customer service, great people. And the rifle is a, it's a race car, man. It's really an amazing rifle. And uh, for that type of application, I don't think that I've seen that there's a better rifle on the planet. It's, I, I would tend to agree. I've shot them uh, uh, most recently last year, we were out on range shooting them and uh, there were plates at, at 50, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. And it was amazing how you got a 22 bolt gun. And it's amazing how you go 50, 100, you go 200. And I'm like, I'm like, you got dope for three? And they're like, yeah, yeah, like four. You know, give it, give it four inches. And I said, you got dope for four? They're like, yeah, give it nine inches. You know, give it nine. And they're like, ding, ding, ding. Like, yeah. Got it for five? And he goes, you have to hold blue sky. He goes, because five's a long way on a 22. You know, he goes, but he's, I got the dope if, if you want to try it. And we were able to hit, like, I think I hit three out of five at, at 500 on an eight inch plate uh, with a 22. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're incredibly good. I, actually, I, I really like 22s as training tools. All this dope talking, I thought you were back on the street corner with that uh, drug dealer. Uh, CBD's uh, gateway oil. That's right. Well, you know, I'm in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's uh, illegal. I can, I can open my window and spit and hit a dispensary. Yeah. I just, uh, I actually just wrote an article but, for the USCCA on that. But is spitting legal? I think spitting might no, be illegal. No, no. Uh, the front range, no. 
It's, it's, it's a right out. It's right out there with calling your dog a pet instead of a companion animal. Oh yes. Here are ordinances. So yeah, New York, you can't. In Syracuse, you can't throw a snowball, but you know you can. Uh, you can hire an illegal alien, no problem. No, that's Colorado. The Front Range of Colorado is essentially Berkeley or, or you know, Madison, Wisconsin, or Eugene. <laughs> um, it, it is what it is, and I live there, and I enjoyed living there because the food's really good. Mm-hmm. But you know, after a while, you go, I'm just going to kill somebody. I just you know, <laughs> the next person that tells me X, I'm just going to punch them in the face and see what happens. It's um, good that you've removed yourself from that situation. Yeah, that's probably a good good reason, good thing. I had my favorite mugging. One of my favorite mugs. <laughs> my favorite mugging. That sounds like a new show. Yeah, right. Was, my favorite like, mugging. How many times have you been mugged? That you can't I, uh, beat my record. I, you know, it happens. And, and it's always funny to me because, uh, because nothing's ever happened to me. It wouldn't be funny if I got really mugged. But I, I, was, it was, I was living in downtown Boulder, and there's a 24-hour market like a block from my house. And I was sitting there, and it's like, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I told my sweetie, I said, I got this headache. It's freaking killing me. So, so I'm going to hike down to the market and buy some, some, you know, et cetera, PM, something. And so I get to the market and everybody's in there and there's a guy with a knife holding them. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I <got> uh, it. <laughs> you know, and, and the guy looks at me and he goes, freeze. And I freeze. And, and he steps out the door and all these people are huddled together. And he's got the knife and he's shaking it. He's just junkie central. And, and he looks at me and he's like, all right, now I'm going to, and I said, wait, 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 can we stop? Can we just stop? And the guy goes, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, Listen, man. I said, I got this terrible headache. It's just really a bad headache. It's killing me. And I sat down on the step and I said, here's what's going to happen. I said, you're going to point the knife at me and you're going to do all this stuff. And I'm going to hurt you really, really badly. I'm going to put you in the hospital. I said, I may well put you in a chair for the rest of your life. I said, or I may just kill you outright. I said, but here's the thing. If I do that now, if I just kill you now, I, it's not clean for me. I got all these witnesses and stuff. So I said, I wonder if you'd do me a favor. And he goes, what? I said, threaten them. I said, get closer with that knife like you're going to move. Do something like that. And he goes, what will happen then? Said, it's the worst day of your entire life. I said, I'm going to disassemble you. And the guy looks at me for a minute, and he goes, there's something wrong with you. Said, yeah, I got this splitting freaking headache. I'm going to die here. I said, so if we're going to do this, do something. Move toward me, and we'll just finish this up. Okay, is that cool? And he goes running off down the street. And the people came out, and they're standing around. And said, what did you do? I said, I told him I had a headache. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's again, funny. distraction. I mean, you, yeah. you know, the guy's yeah. obviously a junkie. The guy obviously yeah. didn't want to stab anybody. Well, you, you threw him off his loop, man. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Disrupted his train of thought. Not expecting that at all. Yeah, the last thing in the world you want to do is shoot somebody at, at your local yeah. top and rob. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, this is really, this is just so trite. I did once talk a mugger out of mugging me by telling him my dog was a junkie. And I bought, I bought a box of milk bones at 7-Eleven in Tampa. And he pulls a knife and he comes around. He's like, give me all your money. I said, listen, man, listen, 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 man. I said, see these milk bones? The guy goes, yeah. I said, if I don't get him home to my dog, he's going into withdrawal. <laughs> the guy looks at me and he goes, your dog's a hype? I said, yeah, man, it's crazy. Uh, you can bleep out the F word. So, but it's nuts. The dog has to eat these, you know, and the guy's going, are you lying? I have a hand behind my back. I had a 1911 in my hand and I'm standing there talking to this guy about milk bones. Well, like, no, it's true. It's true. And he goes, 
I feel for people like that. He goes, get in that car and get that dog some milk bones. So I got in the car and he, and he waved at me. And I'm thinking, wow. like, well, that's one other person I didn't have to shoot, you know? But, you know, I mean, that that's verbal judo. That, yeah. that right there, that takes that takes skill to think, okay. And, and that's what I try to get across to my students. Every Just because you – and there's been people, cops in the industry, that have said, well, you pull the gun out, you got to use it. You got to shoot. No, no, just no you, not necessarily. Yeah, right? you pull that I mean, firearm out and that person puts their hands up. Well, that threat's over. You can't be like, well, I'm really sorry, sir, but I, I was told by a cop in the 80s that if I pull my gun, I got to shoot. Right. And I know you dropped the knife, but I, I got to shoot you. I don't know what to tell you. Right? I mean, that you, that's... See, the no, problem is those, those things come up in classes and yeah. while we're sitting on a couch talking and yep. you can scenarioize things 18,000 different ways. Exactly. And I may say something to you, giving you the parameters of the scenario, but I'm seeing it different than you are. So we yeah. can't yeah. answer those questions. There's too right. many variables. Well, that's, that's, you know, just saying something flat. And I heard, I've heard the same thing, you know, the whole time in the eighties, we were kind of starting out with concealed carry, you know, where they're saying you pull that gun, you use it. And you don't pull it until you use it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not necessarily how the world goes. Right. And second, I mean, you know, we've, I did Sims, uh, gosh, with Bill Murphy at Gunsight, you know, on shoot, no shoot Sims, where, mm -hmm. where you've, got, you know, you've got a motorized aggressor. Right. At what point do you shoot? At what point do you reholster? At what point do you, you know, there's all these different things. Bill Rogers was big on that at Rogers Shooting School as well of, um, right in the middle of a sequence of him going, stop. And he goes, you need to know exactly how fast you can get off the trigger because yeah. the situation changed. And he goes, by me shouting stop or me making a noise or something like that, it's a symbol for you. The situation has now changed and it's no longer a lethal threat. You got to stop shooting. And that was actually harder than shooting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and even in that case, you, you've got to be conditioned. Like if you have a startle reaction, your fingers on the trigger and somebody yells, you know, stop or help. And that startles you enough. You could, you could depress Absolutely. the trigger then too. Oh, yeah. So you got yeah, to be able to response. Yeah. You got to be able yeah. to handle that. I think too often in, in square range training with paper, you know, non-lethal paper targets that are not going to shoot us back. People will get administrative when they start just punching holes in it. And I think visualizing a stimulus that tells them to stop shooting, like we shoot until the threat is no longer a threat or that attack is ceased. So visualizing the guy dropping the gun and saying no, or visualizing him falling down or turning tail or whatever, that's an important part of training that will be the stimulus for where their proper response is to stop shooting and come back and assess. Well, I think, and you got to drive it into people's head. I mean, it's, it's, it is one, and I'm a huge fan of competition. I, I, I absolutely believe in competition. But one of the things that you, that you need to look at when you're shooting a lot of competition is when the buzzer goes off, you already know who you're going to shoot. Yeah, you know, you're going to shoot the brown targets and the steel. You're not going to shoot the white targets with an X on them. Right. Um, and that, in a sense, is training yourself to shoot when you pull a gun. Right. Yeah. No, you're, you, you, um, and that, that's, you just need to be aware of it. I don't, I don't necessarily think you built up these training scars or from uh, competition, but, but I do think you need to be aware of, of you need to, as going into it, you need to say, Hey, they explained to me what I got to shoot here now. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not you a, need, ahead, you need to identify the, the necessity of the cognitive process. Cause right. the same thing, you know, doing qualifications and stuff. Okay. Shoot five rounds of the left target, take a knee, do a reload, shoot five rounds on the right target. Shoot already. Stand by. Beep. 
And it's, where's the cognitive process there? It doesn't exist. Now, if you can acknowledge that in a competition environment, I think there's definite power in there. We're smart enough, I think, to be able to make that disconnect. But if that's the only training you do where it's buzzer driven and the right. only time you have a gun in your hand is when it's in a shooting position, yeah. that is potentially setting yourself up for a fail in that regard. Well, say, first, first time just, I thought about that was uh, an Israeli guy, uh, Israeli special forces guy. So a real shooter is also, you know, USPSA champion, IPSC champion in, in Europe and stuff. And I said, did you ever have like training scars from, you know, running gunning all the time? And he goes, you know, I've pretty much been able to tell the difference. <laughs> he goes, every time I start a match, I remind myself it's a match. They're telling me who to shoot. And every time I go into the field, I tell myself, you, you got to think first. And I, you know, that's something I've worked with my students is that uh, you cannot shoot any faster than you can think. That's the delimiting factor. Hi, I'm Bram Frank with CSSDSC.com. I make knives and trainers. And this is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. Well, thank you again for coming yes. on the show. You're it's awesome. been fun. Thanks, guys. And, thank you, you know, sir. anytime. Cool. Stay safe. Night. Ah. There's a lot of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mantis. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, McLean Corporation, ASP, Custom Poker Chip Company, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by these fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, click the little bell, come on Patreon, help support us that way, come to one of our classes, or host us, we can come to you and do one of our courses at your location. So until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.